Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Now remember where we left off last week, guys. Jesus, our Jesus, it's just so amazing. He, he's been teaching about bearing fruit. That's how he starts off chapter 15. And he reminds the disciples as well as us is that we are the branches. I had you turn to your neighbor and go, that what? I'm a branch. You need to look at each other and say, I'm a branch. And, and so we're branches. And, and what he calls us to do is to abide in the vine. Now, it's very interesting because we have to go, okay, I need, to, I need to do, let me search my memory just a little bit, right? Now, remember, Jesus tells us that he is the vine. So, okay, so Jesus is the vine, but you use that word abide. I'm not sure what that abide means. And, of course, if you're taking note, abide means to stay put, to hang in there, to remain. Like, don't move. That's what it means. Jesus says, man, you need to abide in me. And so one of the things we got from that is that we need to stay connected. We got to stay connected to Jesus. We can't move. And, and uh, we need to make sure, guys, as believers, that we're fully connected to Jesus. You want to have an impact in your life. You want to have an impact at your job. You want to have an impact on your kids. You need to make sure you are fully, fully connected. Now, the illustration I used, if you recall, was that of a power plug, the power plug illustration, right? And how the world, right, the world, some, like, like if you go to, here, here's the illustration. I used a vacuum, right? We get a vacuum, and there's a plug over to my right of the sanctuary, and there's a plug, and that has power to it. And if I take my vacuum and I plug it in, I'll turn on that vacuum, and I'll just, and I know Joe's looking at me and goes, I've never seen that. Bear with me, brother. Bear with me. I know you do that. But I'm, I'm and if I get a little bit farther away from the source, Okay, if I get over here, what happens? My, my, I'm starting to pull that plug. I'm starting to pull the plug a little bit, right? Well, what happens is there are times when I'm trying to figure what's going on. Well, the thing is, is I'm still, I'm looking at the cord and it's still plugged in. A little stretch. Can I get an amen? But it's still plugged in. Now, remember, we talked about that, guys. We talked about all of being plugged in, but, but, but there are times when we're plugged in, or the world sees that we're plugged in, but we have no power. You see, the world has pulled you out just enough where you don't have his power. He pulls you out just enough. And you're going, oh, I don't understand why I'm not victorious in this area. I don't know why I keep sinning in this area. I don't know why I can't have relationships in my life. And it's, make sure you're plugged in. And all of chapter 15 is Jesus coming to us and saying, make sure you're plugged in. Love each other. Guys, make sure. Hey, you plugged in? You plugged in? You plugged you plugged in. Are you plugged? And you're like, yes, I got it. I'm, I'm, connected to, I'm connected to the power source. I got this. I got this. And then I thought, what did Jesus say in chapter uh, 15, verse 1? He says, I am the true vine. And I started thinking about this, right? I started thinking about this, the true vine. Okay, so if that plug right there has the power source, I have in my hand a plug. Okay? I'm, if I were to plug in the vacuum to this, it's a plug. It should work. But you go, Pastor, you're silly. Because this isn't the true vine, is it? This isn't the true plug. It's a plug. But see, there are a lot of these out there that are wanting you to plug into this, and you still have no power. And so it's so important, guys, that we're plugged into the true vine. The true vine. You've got to go, hey, what am I plugged into? Am I plugged into a socket that, that has nothing behind it? You see, because here's the thing. Okay, 
Ready? Because if I'm plugged into here, the world still thinks I'm plugged in. And I can get away with looking like a Christian if I'm plugged into this. But I don't have any power. It's time to unplug from false vines and get plugged into the true vine. The true vine. Guys, so, take a moment right now. I think it's beneficial to ask this question, right? You go, what's that, Pastor? Am I fully connected and abiding in Jesus? It's, it's often good to do that. You go, what do you mean? In other words, am I connected to Jesus in my life like the branches to the vine? You see, if we were to take a vine and we had grapes coming out of it, there are certain nu- nutrients and certain things that go through the vine to, to make sure that the branches are healthy and that we would produce healthy fruit. If you're not connected, we're dying, guys. We're dying. And you might say, well, Pastor, here, how, will, how will someone know How will someone know if I become disconnected? How do I know if I'm disconnected? Okay? Here's why. Listen to me. Listen close. Oftentimes, we can modify our behavior to where we look like we're plugged in, but we don't have the power. Now, you're acting as if you're plugged in because you've modified behavior. But if you want to reel the truth, let's go to the Word of God. You want to know if you're disconnected? Examine your fruit. You see, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit. So Paul tells us, guys, that the fruit of the Spirit of the living God is manifested first and foremost in L-O-V-E, in love. And love, and that's what he wants to get at us, right? Paul says this is how it is. And so we've got to ask the question, okay, if, I, if I'm connected, then the question is, am I loving people the way Jesus loved people? Now, now, listen, listen. The question is, am I loving people the way Jesus loved people? Now, here's why. Here's why. Listen, labor with me for just a moment. We've all grown up with different forms of love. We've all, I mean, to you, you might say, well, I love this, and that's, and you're going, that's not love. Ariel Speedwagon saying about that. That's not love. You think it's love, but it's not. And the point is, guys, is that I want to love like Jesus loved, not the way the world has sort of fashioned me through Hollywood and all of these stuffs. I, I need to love like Jesus loved. And that's the first thing I'm going to check in my life. Am I loving like Jesus loved? You go, what kind of love is that? Well, if you have a pencil handy, guys, it's the word agape. It's a supernatural love that is only produced when you're fully connected to the vine. Any other way, you're not going to love people that way. Any other way, you're going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to spend time with that guy. I don't want to, he's all right, he's all right, but I want to spend. No, 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 When when you're connected, you're going, Lord, I love you, and you love him. and He's one of your creations. And he's one of your, guys, I was so impacted by our outreach yesterday because this is the Imago Day. There are people who are just, who've just, they're just hurting. And God uses us. And you cannot look like them and us. And I told a fellow yesterday, I looked at him and I said, there's no difference between you and me. We're all created in God's image. And again, think about it, guys. Am I, am I what? Is it supernatural? 
If you want to know, if you're connected, if you want to know that you're plugged in, guys, and you haven't been pulled out, okay, because here's what's going to happen. The world's not going to pull you out all the way because then you go, oh, I'm not even close to the plug. But it's going to pull you out enough where you have no power. So you go, okay, so am I loving like Jesus? Am I compassionate to people? All right? Now, remember, it's fruit. It's fruit. So can people come to your life and pull fruit and pull love out of it? All right? You're sitting there and you're going, what's up? Somebody goes, hey, hey, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you told somebody, I love you? I love you, buddy. I love you, man. I love you, sister. I love you, son. I love you. Guys, think about it. Those are the words that we long to hear. It's love. You mean somebody loves me? I, I just keep, this is coming to mind, but... You know, what, you know what Nicholas said yesterday? You know what Nicholas said? He said, I don't understand a God so perfect loving me. So he said, I'm unworthy. And I said, we're all unworthy. But he loves us. You go, what else? Well, guys, if we're, again, think about it, right? You go, well, like what? Well, is there joy in your life? Is there joy? Because the enemy wants to come and rob you of your joy. He wants to. You wake up on a Monday morning and everybody's going, oh, God, it's Monday. And you're going, yes, it's Monday. Woo-hoo, brand new week, God. The enemy's going to come and zero in and take that joy from you. He wants to. But I want to be connected so he can't. I want to be so abiding so he can't. You go, what else, Pastor? Well, how about patience, right? Or peace. Let's talk about peace before we talk about patience. Because I can't have patience without peace. But anyways, peace. Is there Peace. When you lay your head down on the pillow, is there peace that God is in control? Is there peace that God has everything that you ever need? And he's got you in the palm of his hand. Can people come to you and pull peace off of you? What about patience? What about patience? Isn't that what we struggle the most? Come on, you guys got real quiet on me. Isn't that what we struggle the most with, patience? Oh, people just need to do what I tell them to do and we'll be fine. And we just, we're so impatient. We're so impatient with people. And I think I would love that, that someone could come and see the fruit of my life and pick off patient. He's patient. He's patient. He's patient. What about kindness? What about kindness? Well, Pastor, I'm kind. I posted on Facebook. Everybody knows I'm kind. There you go. No, 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 but are we really kind? When was the last time we gave a kind word to somebody? You go, Pastor, we can't. In this day and age, you can't even say thank you, man. People get me be tripping. The word of God says, man, we can just tell people. We can just tell people. And and, and be careful, guys. Be careful. Because, because we don't just want to be, have a blessed day, you know, because we go, what does that mean? But love people in a different way. Be you. Be you. Go up to somebody. How you doing, man? You doing all right? You doing all right? Listen, listen, don't ask somebody how they're doing if you're not willing to stay and listen. Guys, think about that. When I say to my brother Scott, how you doing? And I keep walking, I've just told Scott he doesn't value, he doesn't, he doesn't mean anything to me. If you're going to ask somebody, how you doing? You better be willing to stay 5, 10, 15 minutes to hear how my brother's doing. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what God says, right? That's, that's the kindness, the goodness. 
Guys, faithfulness. Here's another one, gentleness. Are we gentle? Are we gentle? Do we have self-control? Do we have self-control? You see, all of these wants us, I mean, that's, that's how we know if we're connected. And, and here's, here's the thing, guys. We've, we're, we all want to be connected to people. We, just, we, we all feel that we need to be connected. We need to be connected to the vine, and we love to be connected to the people. But I want you to think about something, right? Let me, let me bring an illustration just a little bit more uh, modern. Here's what, I found. here's what I want you to think about this. In 1971, the very first email was sent. Can you imagine? The very first, in, now what was the purpose of an email? To connect to somebody else, right? I want to connect, okay? The very first email was sent. 47 years later, social media has taken over the world. 47, right? It's about connection. How so? Well, we have Facebook. That was whole point. I want to be able to connect. I want to see what's going on. You go, okay, we have Twitter, right? Some of you had a MySpace. Then it died. Some of us have Instagram, and I think Snapchat is another way to connect. Oh, look what I'm doing, and it's, just, it's a snap, right? And then you've got, you've got Pinterest, you've got LinkedIn. Think about this, guys, and there's probably so many more I don't even know about, but it's all about what? It's all trying to connect. I want to connect. I can connect to, to people around the world. I can connect. Now, here's where it gets good, right? I did some research. Did you know that one in four people worldwide now uses one or more of these social networks? One in four people worldwide. These networks were originally created to give people a means to communicate and to stay connected to others, but what started out as a novelty has now turned into a serious addiction for many. Here's my point. Ready? Americans now spend an average of 270 hours per month staring at a screen. This is a little over 11 days out of every month you spend looking at your phone screen. Guys, you go, Pastor, what's your, what's your point? What started out in a way for you and I to connect has did what? It's actually disconnected us. In the same way, these little things, these electronic devices and all the tools that we want to use for Bible study and all the podcasts, I I love podcasts, but that does not take the place of you being connected to Jesus. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful. I'll tell you another thing too, guys. I'll tell you another thing too. I mean, think about this. Think about this. The electronic tools that's supposed to what? To help us stay connected has caused us more disconnect than ever before. Than ever before. And you can see it. You just go to a restaurant. When you go to a restaurant this afternoon or wherever you go, look across and see how many people. I mean, I mean, and I'm, I'm like, listen, <clears throat> millennials, I get it. They were brought up technology. I get it. But I'm seeing old people not even talking to each other. People older than me. They didn't even have a phone, right? They were the dial-up. Now they're sitting here, and they're not even talking to each other. And it just breaks my heart because we're all, we're all, being, we're all being caught in that. We want to connect, guys. We want to connect. We want to connect. Am I connected to Jesus? That's what we learned last week. And so we also gleaned, guys, we also gleaned some wonderful truth about Jesus being what? 
Lord over time and space. Remember, he, he, oh, it's so amazing. He turned water into wine, and we talked all about the grapes, and, and for the sake of time, I don't have time to get into it, but he also healed from a distance. He is the Lord of time and space. Now, I want you to take notes, because here's what we learned. If we could summarize what we've learned so far, I want you to write these down, okay? Number one, Jesus teaches us about relationships, relationships. You go, why? Because he introduces us to the vine dresser, that would be the heavenly father. He introduces us to the vine, that is Jesus. And of course, he says, you are the branches, right? That's all about relationship, guys. That's a relationship with the father, the son, the spirit, us, and each other. Why? I want you to think of a vine. When a vine grows, okay, it doesn't just grow. It, what it, it gets all intertwined with the rest of the vines, all intertwined. It doesn't go, oh, well, I'm this kind of grape, and so I can't mess around with any other grapes. I can't even talk to any other grapes. Or I'm this kind of vine, and they're all over. They're all over. Why do you think God did that? Because he knows that we need relationships. He knows that we need to, we need to do life together. He knows that God's going to put that text that you're supposed to send of encouragement at the right time to the right person. Thinking about you. Praying for you. Love you, buddy. Whatever it is. Number two. Okay, Jesus, he, he, he taught us about relationships, but then he teaches us about what? Reproduction. Reproduction. You go, what do you mean? Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about fruit. And if you look at it, first and foremost, he says, well, there's fruit, but I want you to have more fruit, and then I want you to have much fruit. And we said this. Why is it reproduction? Because I want people to come, and I want them to pull the fruit off your tree and you go amen and then produce more fruit and produce more fruit when i had my two girls when i had my two girls i thought lord how am i going to love them and supernaturally god gives us a love for our kids doesn't he i mean it's unbelievable unbelievable how god gives us this love and you're like how do i Man, I love my wife, man, right? I love my wife. But then you see the kids, you're like, I love my kids. And then you get grandkids. I don't know where that love comes from, but that's amazing. What's happening? God is reproducing love in our hearts in ways that just blows our mind. It just blows our mind. Because you think, I don't have any more love to give. I love my God. Oh, look at this. Come here. My little, my little granddaughter. Mama asked her, Yama asked her, if you get in trouble at school, if you get in trouble at school and you have to go to the principal's office and the principal looks at you and says, okay, Cordelia, who do you want us to call? Do you want us to call your grandpa? Do you want us to call your grandma? Or do you want us to call your mom? Who do you think she named? Grandpa. Why? Why, Cordelia? Because he'd come in and he'd say, Hello, Mijita, come on, you're fine. Let's go get ice cream. That's what she said. And I love it because that's, that's supernatural love. And so Jesus taught us about what, guys? He taught us about relationship. He taught us about reproduction. And lastly, he taught us about responsibility. What was that? Staying connected. It's our responsibility to stay connected. It's our responsibility to stay connected. So chapter 15 
What does it start out? It starts off with the vineyard and it ends up with the Great Commission. As branches, we must abide. As friends, we must obey. Now, going to verse 18, Jesus is teaching us about the world's attitude towards you as believers. That's what he wants to say. Okay? And, 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 and I'm calling this message, love is a battlefield. For today, we learn that in verse 17, Jesus' command was to love one another. That's what his command was. Then, right in verse 18, he begins to teach us that the world is a battlefield in which we are to manifest this love that he just commanded us. And you go, oh, I get it. Now, here's what I find interesting. I don't know if you guys caught this. But between verse 17 and 18, Jesus starts out his teaching with the word if. If. Now, we know from previous studies that if is a marker of condition. It's a dependent clause conjunction. You go, what's a conjunction? A conjunction links what was said before to what is going to be said. It just, it's that link. It's a, it's a conjunction. So we need to go back to verse 17 to see what Jesus said and then what he's going to say. You guys with me? Look at verse 17. Jesus says, these things I command you. So we know what's the command. What's the command, Lord? That you love one another. So we know the command to love one another. Can I get a good amen on that? Verse 18 says, Jesus is still speaking. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Now, this blows my mind because in verse 17, he's talking about love. All we need is love, right? That's what he's talking about. Then he turns to hate. Oh, the battlefield's changed. The battlefield's changed, right? And so Jesus comes and he says, if the world, okay, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Now, before we break this down, we can look at verses 18 through 22 in four sections, okay? Warren Wearsby actually gives us this, but I'm going to give them to you. These are four reasons why the world would hate you, four reasons. You can write this in your Bible. Number one, it's because we're identified with Christ, okay? That's why the world's going to hate you, because you're identified with Christ. Number two, Verse 19 says we're not gonna, we don't belong to the world. We don't belong to the world. Jot this down. Number three, the world is spiritually blind and ignorant. And number four, the world will not be honest about sin. You go, Ben, you went really fast. Can you say those again? Absolutely. Number one, we are identified with Christ. Okay, got that one. Number two, we do not belong to the world. Number three, the world spiritually blind and ignorant. And number four, the world will not be honest about sin. So let's go back to verse 18. If the world hates you, notice it starts with what? It starts with the dependent clause conjunction. It's a what? It's a marker of condition. He says, I need, you need to love one another, but if the world hates you. What is he talking about the world? Is he talking about the cosmos? Is he talking about, I mean, what is he talking about the world? Well, if you have a pencil handy, this is important because you need to understand what he's talking about. In the, in the Greek meaning is basically people associated with the world system and is estranged from God. Okay. So he says, if the world, the world, if its system, the way it does things, the way it runs things under Satan's control, under his managerial experience, he says, that's what it's, 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 it's not people who are looking for your best interest. It's not people who are going to give you godly advice. It's those who go, this is what the world does. 
The world is way different from God's word. You guys know that, right? The world is way different. But then he says, hates. And I thought, okay, what is he talking about? Because I know in other sections of scripture, Jesus says, lest you hate your father and mother, you cannot be my disciple. And, but I'm thinking, what does this word mean? Does it mean like, hey, it's a little bit lower? Like he means, no, no, no. Here's what it means, guys. In the Greek, it actually means a feeling of hostility, a strong dislike with a possible in, implication of desiring to do harm. So when you go, when, when he says, man, the world hates you, it wants to destroy you, it, 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 it loathes you, and it wants to do you harm. And if you fall, it wants to kick you while you're down. And it wants to step on your neck, and it wants to laugh all in the meantime. That's what the word hate means. That's what you're just like, wow. So what is Jesus saying? Well, we need to think about this for a moment, okay? Think about this. Because Jesus said, if the world hates you, if the world hates you, if the world hates me, the one thing we need to know is that the world hated Jesus before it hated us. Here's a quick test. A lot of times we want everyone to like us, don't we? We want people to like us. I mean, I do. I mean, I don't want to be. But, but if the world hasn't hated you, I go, whoa, whoa, Pastor, where, where, where are you going with that? What if the world doesn't hate us? What if the world doesn't hate us? What if we really strive for everyone to like us? But Jesus said, listen, if the world hates you, don't trip. It hated, it hated him first. Does that just not blow your mind? You go, why? Because... All of creation hates the God who created it. That's what sin does. Thank God I'm not God, right? Aren't you glad you're not God? Because if all of creation hated me, I'd toast them right away. I'd be like, I'll start over with somebody else. I'm not going to send my son to die for you. You hate me, I'll hate you right back. Watch, but I'm not God. God looked at us and he says, you know what? You hate me, but I love you. You hate me, but I love you. I've got a plan for your life. You just don't see it. You just don't see it. You see, John later on, you can jot this down for reference. John later on writes in 1 John 3.13, he says, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Do not marvel. The world hates you. So the world, guys, the world should hate you because, number one, you're identified with Christ. You're identified with Christ. Let me let me let me put it another way. You've heard this you've heard this many times, so let me put it another way, okay? If it was a severe crime worthy of punishment, severe crime to be a follower of Jesus, okay? Would there be in your life an overwhelming mound of evidence to convict you? Well, y'all got quiet again. I mean, this, these are things that I'm like, oh, Lord, if, if being a Christian is a crime, I want to make sure that they would, I would, they would find me guilty three times over. That's the goal. That's the goal. I'm a, I, love, I love Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to share Jesus. Listen, I told, the, I, I told Nicholas yesterday, this world, this world is passing. James says, your life is like a vapor compared to eternity. I need to speak of eternal things. 
I don't want to hold on too tight to this world. I don't want my, pen take, my ten pegs too deep, guys. Help me. Help me get my ten pegs up. Help me keep my eyes eternally focused. Why? Because if, if, if it was a severe crime that you were called a Christian, is there enough evidence? Would a, guilty go, would, a, would a jury go guilty, guilty, guilty? Because I myself would hate if they said, um, we're not sure. What's the verdict? Well, we got a hung jury. Half of them didn't think you were, what? How's that? I want to be guilty. I want to be guilty of that, guys. Reason number two, right? Because we don't belong to the world. It hates us because we don't. Look at verse 19. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. (laughs) Wow. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus, Jesus says, listen, listen. If you were of the world, the world would love you. The world would love you. But the reality is, as believers, we are not of the world. The Bible said he chose us out of the world. Don't you guys, isn't that amazing? You feel chosen. God says, man, isn't that, isn't that, uh, that, is, so, that is so cool. And therefore, that is why the world hates you. So next time you're persecuted for your faith, next time you're ridiculed, next time they laugh at you for your faith, before your faith and your, and your belief in Jesus, you can just smile because thank you, God, I'm chosen. You chose me out of the world, and, and this is why they're doing it. I love the world because they need you, Lord, but thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Remember what the Bible tells us, guys, and grasp it, okay? The Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And here's the point. We want to be careful that as believers, we don't get into our holy huddle and not let anybody else in. Okay? All right, we, let's just sing Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my Lord. Hey, don't let, no. We, we, God put us here so that we can go out. Go, it says, go. And so at your jobs, at, where you go to the shop, I mean, whatever you do, God's using you as an ambassador. Okay? Because, again, you're not, you, you, Pastor, I went to the bar. Four nights in a row trying to win my friends. How did that go? Now, hung over all the time. You're not going to... Listen, we're, we're, we're in the world, not of the world. Not of the world. You tell your friend, listen, I'd love to get a drink with you. Coffee sounds great. Maybe tea. Maybe we can do this before. Maybe after. I just want to. I just want to spend time with you. But I know for me, that could be a stumbling block. That could be a stumbling block. Verse 20, remember, Jesus says, the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they kept my word, they will keep you your words. Uh, they will keep yours also. Guys, the word remember here, I found it interesting. In the Greek, it's in the present infinitive. And you go, Ben, what does that mean? It means a commitment to a long way, a long term of doing things. He says, remember, remember, remember. Remember, remember. That's what he's really saying. What am I supposed to remember, Lord? You, you really made it a, a, an, an, an imperative. It's very important. He says, remember the word that I said to you. Remember, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted Jesus, if they hated Jesus, they're going to do the same to us. You see, this is a different battlefield. You're called to go out and love people, and they're going to turn, and they're going to persecute you. 
they're going to persecute you. If they persecuted, right? You go, what does persecuted mean? Notice, guys, notice. It says persecute, right? If they persecuted, it's, it's this. It's to systematically organize a program to oppress and harass people. That's what it means. Systematically, they're going to harass you. And, and maybe you feel like that this morning. Maybe you feel like, man, that's how my job is. Man, that's how my, that's how my family is. Man, are you kidding me? I just feel like they're just, ah. Listen, if they're going to do this to Jesus, they're going to do this to you. Everybody get that? I mean, if you get nothing else, you go, okay, I get it. If, they, if, they, if they're ugly to my Lord, they're going to be ugly to me because I'm identified with him. I'm a, I'm, that's, that's what they see. That's what they see. Right? If they kept my word, they will keep yours after. What does that mean? He says, man, we're, remember, we're called to be long-term ambassadors. The Christian race, listen to me, church, the Christian race is not a hundred-yard dash. Anybody ever run track, a hundred-yard dash? Yeah. You can do that pretty quick. But then there were times I was called to do the long-distance run, right? The one where you ran over hills and over dales and all that kind of stuff and took you forever. Yeah, cross-country. Yeah. I think the Christian life is cross-country. It just takes time, guys. It just... It's not over. And he says, you're called to be ambassadors. You're called to keep his word. Remember, remember. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel says this in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 7, but the house of Israel will not listen to you because they have not listened to me. For all the house of Israel is impudent and hard-hearted. He says, man, listen, they're not going to listen to you. And then Jesus goes on back in John, reason number three, jot this down, the world is spiritually blind and ignorant. Look, he picks it up in verse 21. He says, but the, all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. They're going to persecute. Jesus is saying, listen, you're going to be hated, guys. You're going to be laughed at. You're going to be persecuted. I mean, think about the stuff that, that happens to you. Think about this. Think about how you used to be invited, how you used to be part of the in crowd and you gave your life to Jesus and, and you really meant it. And all of a sudden, man, your friends are like, yeah, we're still, we're still cool, but they don't call you anymore to hang out. They don't, they don't want to be. And, and guys, we're, because we're emotional beings, we take that personally, man. We get hurt. We're like, dude, I thought we were, I thought we were like BFF. And yeah, but man, you're into this religion stuff and and, and the fellows don't want, I mean, think about the person, I mean, they laugh at you, they probably talk behind your back, they probably, they probably mock you, we know the word of God says that, they're going to mock hey, where's your Jesus coming back, dude? I'm thinking about this, I'm like, wow, wow, and you go, what's the reason, pastor? He says, all these things, he says, because you're my followers. The reason, guys, because they don't know God, they don't know God, they don't know the Father who sent me. Doesn't that, shouldn't that bring clarity to your eyes as you witness and love on people? You go, well, I'm not going to witness to them. They were rude and they were ugly to me. Huh. They're going to be, because they don't know God. And I always like to say this, they don't know God yet. They don't know God yet. Because isn't that our challenge? Isn't that, isn't that what we're here for? One direction, man. I want people to see Jesus. I want people to come to know Jesus. Jesus is so good at transforming lives. All I have to do is invite them to the party. I, right? I'll, I'll walk with you. I'll hold you. Hey, hey, but Jesus is so good at transforming your life. What I, 
hey, all you have to do is be connected. Why? Because that's where the power comes from. Listen, I can, I can show you how to behave, but I have no power. And so all I've got to do is invite you to the right plug. The right plug. The right plug. Listen, church, don't be shocked when people persecute you, revile you, ignore you, laugh at you, mock your beliefs because they don't know the Lord. And don't be shocked because a lot of people have an intellectual belief in God but their lives have not been transformed yet. So people who say, I'm a Christian, I believe, are still mocking you, it's because it hasn't moved into their heart. Their heart hasn't been transformed. The last reason, guys, is that the world won't be honest with sin. Look at verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. They would not have been guilty of sin had I not come and spoken to them. As it is, they no longer have an excuse for their sin. So what, 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 what are they tripping about? Well, here's the thing, guys. They no longer have an excuse. It's like, hey, at one point we didn't know. And then the world is not honest about sin, is it? The world doesn't go, hey, this is wrong. This is wrong. I think about this for a second. Let me change hats for just a minute, guys. And I think it's a great nugget of truth, if you don't mind. Let's talk about us. If the world isn't honest with sin, let's talk about us. How important is it, to, is it for us to be completely honest with our sin? How important is it? Right? So many people will try and justify sin. You go, how do they do it? They first try, they first try to justify their sin by calling it something else. That's not sin. I just, well, they call it a shortcoming. You know, I, I just have a short, I have a shortcoming, you know, or, or, I mean, they'll call it a different name. Here's my, here's my thought. When approaching the throne room of God, I believe we must come clean. We must be brutally honest about our sin and confess it honestly. I mean, that's, isn't that the point? And, and when we come together, right, when we come together, be honest as you can about the things you struggle with. One of the things that we need to really work on as a church and as individuals is, is transparency. Transparency. This is who I am. The key to transparency is honesty, is it not? Lord, I... I and, and the point is, is that, is that we've never, we haven't arrived, man. We're all walking and going, man, I'm still struggling. That's okay. Keep going. Somewhere in our culture, we go, oh, well, you're, how long have you been walking with the Lord? You should be farther along. You shouldn't be struggling with this. You shouldn't. And it's like, no, just be transparent. This is who I am. You want to walk with me? Anybody want to walk with me? Because this is who I am. And you go, amen, I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you. Well, back in our Bible study, guys, it goes on, verse 23. He who hates me hates my father also. Do you guys see that in verse 23? If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. Guys, these are some heavy verses, right? Because love is a battlefield. And here's what Jesus said. Whoever hates Jesus hates the father. That's, wow. Jesus said, listen, listen, they would have not been guilty of sin 
if I had not done the things, the God signs among them. They would not be in guilt. They wouldn't be like, oh, oh. But this blew me away. Guys, this blew me away. He who hates me hates my father also. The other day on Facebook, I saw a man while doing some sort of march, and he had a sign, and the sign read, if Jesus comes back, we'll kill him again. So I said, I'm going to find out who this this dude is, right? So I went over to his webpage, read his blog, everything, right? And, 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 and this man literally hates God. And he says, and I mean, he's got several, I mean, and, and I don't, I do not recommend you go in there because some of his t-shirts would make your blood boil about what he says about my God. And, and I'm thinking, this is exactly what Jesus said. People said, man, Jesus, they're going to hate me. They're going to hate me. They're going to hate my father. And there's, there's this, this guy has this huge hatred towards the father and the son. The problem is, is he's displaying their guilt over sin. And you go, what do you mean? Well, here's the thing, okay? If you believe there is no God, why are you hostile toward him? The problem is, is you believe, but you don't want to accept responsibility for your sin, and the guilt is eating you alive, and so you go, well, listen, if I just say there is no God, then I can get off the hook, and, 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 that's, and, and that's the whole thing. But let me just say this, okay, and then I'll move on, because we only have just a few minutes left, okay? My heart hurts for those who don't believe in God, but my heart bleeds for those who are forcing their antichrist agenda on other people. Well, wait a minute, Pastor, time out. You're forcing your Christian beliefs. No, 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 no. I'm not forcing my beliefs. I'm living my beliefs in hopes that you'll see them and see what's different. Jesus never forced the Bible on me. I would never force the Bible on you. But I want to live my life so that people can see that there is a difference. Verse 25, but this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without cause. So Jesus, what he says to his disciples and obviously to us, all this happened, guys, all this happened and it's going to happen because what? That the world may be fulfilled. That's in the law, right? And he obviously references two Psalms. According to Psalm 69, verse 4, the psalmist writes, those who hated me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me. Being my enemies wrongfully, though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. And then he goes over to Psalm thirty-five, nineteen. He says, let them not rejoice over me who are wrongfully my enemies, nor let them wink with the eye who hated me without a cause. Now, as we get, as we close our time together, guys, as we, as we wrap up our Bible study, I want you to notice what Jesus is saying in our text. He says, the world, guys, the world hates me. The world doesn't love God. What we must do, Lord, guys, as believers, is make sure that we don't follow the world system, that we stand for the things we believe in. He says, my, my followers, that's us, are aliens to the world. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Where is your home? Your home is in heaven. 
so in a, in, a, in, a, in a beautiful way, we're all homeless. We're all homeless. Because our home's in heaven and we're not there yet. You guys, we're just passing through. Enjoy life. Enjoy the moments. But don't put your ten pegs too deep. Don't hold on to this world. When it's your time, be ready. Okay, God, I'm ready. Number three, the world will persecute you guys because, because you're his followers. They're going to persecute you. Everybody got that? You go, okay, I'm, I'm going to be laughed at. I'm going to be mocked because of my beliefs. When everybody's gathering around the corner and they're telling dirty jokes and you walk by and then they start whispering at you and stuff, guys, just smile because you know that it's not that you're, you're ugly towards them or you think you're better than them, but it's because they're going to persecute you. They don't know any better. Because the persecutors, they don't know God, Jesus says. They don't know Him. They don't know Him. Don't put away your pens yet, okay? Don't put away your pens. I want you to jot something down. Very important, okay? I want you to jot down. You ready? Jot this down. Great persecution is a result of the Great Commission. Great persecution is a result of the Great Commission. You go, well, Ben, why is love a battlefield? Well, here's what I want you to see, okay? Concerning persecution, listen to me. If you do Acts 1.8, you can expect Acts 8.1. You say, say what? If you do Acts 1.8, you go, well, what's Acts 1.8? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. If you do that, you can expect Acts 8.1. You go, what's Acts 8.1? Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout all the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. You're going, what? Well, really simple, guys. The great persecution is the result of the great commission. Great commission. Now listen to this, okay? Whenever we get a big building and we have a big fancy marquee out there, right, where people drive by and we could see, they could see like, oh, the sermon this week, right? And, and if you've ever driven by any church like that, have you ever seen this? Second Timothy 3.12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I've never seen that on a, mar- on a marquee. Hey, you want to be Christians? You're going to be persecuted. Come on into church. Come on in. You're going to be treated worse than Rudolph the Rain-Nosed Reindeer, right? Because they never invited him to any of the games. I mean, they left him out. They, they unfriended him on Facebook. But if we want to live godly, guys, we're going to suffer persecution. Last thought, last thought. Jesus told us in verse 17, these things I command you, that you what? Come on, that you what? You love one another. And I, I heard this from Pastor James McDonald, and, and I love it. And, and he says something like this. How do you spell love? How do you spell love? And everybody goes, 
L-O-V. No, no, no. He says, no, no. This is how you do. Ready? Jot this down. Put love equals, this is going to be good, okay? Love equals U, the letter U, the letter B, the number four, and then M-E. You know what love spells? U B for me. That's what Jesus is telling us, guys. If you want to love like Jesus, you before me. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us, God. Help us to learn these lessons, Lord. Love is a battlefield out in the world. We're ready. We're ready. And Father, I never want to leave our Bible study without an opportunity and an invitation. With every eye closed and every every head bowed, my simple request is to invite you to the party. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you, you're, you're like the plug and, and you're pulled out just a little bit, and people think you're Christians, but you've never really been plugged in. I want to give you an opportunity today. You go, Pastor, what do I need to do? In a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus. I want to be plugged in. Pastor, why do I have to raise my hand? The reason you've got to raise your hand is I want God to see your heart. See, it's not about joining a church. It's about, it's about joining the family of God, being connected once and for all. So if you're here today and you feel like, man, I've been disconnected, Ben. I have been so disconnected. I feel like I'm a million miles away. Here's the good news. You're one decision away from being connected, and all you have to do is lift up your hand. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus or you have come loose from the source and you want prayer today, would you just simply lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to be saved. I want to know him. Father, I thank you for today. I worship you. We glorify you. May we go out with the command to love one another like you have taught us. It's in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.